0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Victor's Corner. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, one-fourth of the Codex Prime podcast, and today is Wednesday, January 25th, 2017. And as always, I am glad to be back once again, and as you can tell, the Codex Prime podcast hiatus continues, and I continue to soldier on, all by my lonesome. It's a lonely road, the only road I walk alone Did I just quote Nickelback, whoever sings that song? I don't know. But in any case, I am glad to be back. And I will say that uh, the Codex Prime podcast, hopefully, fingers crossed, will return in the next two weeks. So uh, to my fellow co-hosts, please, let's get the band back together because I am just aching to do a brand new episode of the podcast. I'm sure there are uh, two or three people out there somewhere in the world, you know, just aching for more Codex Prime content. But, hey, I believe that we will get the band back together again. And in the meantime, I will continue to hold it down for you all. Uh, for this episode, we're going to talk about the 89th Academy Award nominations, which were announced... Uh, just yesterday on Tuesday. And I'm going to get into a quick review of M. Night Shyamalan's latest feature, Split, which was just released this past weekend. Now let's let's get into the 89th annual Academy Award nominations. And uh, this is an excellent round of nominees this year. And I got to say, I was very pleased with uh, the picks that were uh, selected, uh, from the Oscars. Uh, currently, uh, we have La La Land leading the pack with 14 nominations. Now this is the, now La La Land is the third film in Oscar history to earn 14 nominations. The previous two being All About Eve in 1950 and Titanic, all of, both of which have received 14 nominations, La La Land being the third. So this is a good sign that, uh, Damien Chazelle's uh, latest film, this musical starring Emma Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, may very well sweep or at least win most of the major categories in the the Oscars this year. I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case, but we'll get into each of the categories as we go, and I'll give my thoughts, uh, my favorites, as well as a few predictions here and there um also we have we have arrival and moonlight both tied at eight nominations and also for six nominations we have hacksaw ridge lion and manchester by the sea Uh, we have fences and hell or high water both tied at four nominations hidden figures and jackie both tied at three nominations and for two nominations we have the following films A Man Called Ove, Deepwater Horizon, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Florence Foster Jenkins, Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, Passengers, and Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Now, A Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, that's a film that uh, I haven't had a chance to review on Victor's Corner. I have seen it, and um, I do have some thoughts about it, but more on that later as we go. So let's get into it right here. Let's talk about each of the major categories of the Academy Awards this year. I won't get into all of the categories, but, uh, some of the major categories here, I'll, I'll, I'll offer my thoughts and predictions and favorites as we go. Uh, first of which we're going to start off with the best picture category in which we have nine films nominated this year for the academy award for best picture uh, as as per the academy uh, academy awards rules um, up to 10 films can be nominated for this category but this year the oscars saw fit to nominate nine and these films include the following arrival fences hacksaw ridge hell or high water hidden figures la la land lion Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Now, of all of these nominations, I, I have not seen Hidden Figures or Lion, both of which are have been released in theaters uh, just this past weekend or uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, I've heard good things about both films, but those are two films that I can wait until uh, I, I can rent them via Redbox on Blu-ray. Um, as for the rest of the nominees, I have seen them, and I have talked about them in detail in a, in a previous Victor's Corner in my top uh, 20 favorite films of the year. Um, out of all these nominees, my favorite, of course, is Moonlight. I would love to see that film win the top prize for Best Picture, but I would have no complaints if any of the other films that I have seen on this list also win. Um, my prediction is that La La Land is going to take Best Picture because if there's one thing that the Academy loves, it's well-made films that uh, that are glowing tributes to Hollywood or Tinseltown, and I think that La La Land, in that respect, is this year's The Artist, and The Artist, which was the 2011 uh, Best Picture winner, that and which is which was my favorite film of 2011 as well. Um, I think La La Land is definitely going to be in, in the same vein because you have a film that is, a, is very much not only a tribute to Hollywood, but also to the idealism of, um, of, you know, of, of, of striving and struggling for, for your dreams. And in this very tumultuous and, quite frankly, horrifying and increasingly frustrating political climate that we're going to be into for the next four years with uh, President Orange Hobgoblin, I think a film like La La Land would be something that really strikes a chord with Academy voters as well as audience members who want something that's uh, that's bright, that's a little, little cheery, a bit on the happy side, although... I will say La La Land is not uh, is not an empty glossy optimistic film. It is very much grounded in in a in reality. It does have that dose of realism to it as well. Uh, aside from its musical trappings, but um, aside from that, I say La La Land is the uh, is the uh, predicted favorite to win the Best Picture. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if it won, but I would love to see Moonlight win. Or if not any of the other films that I have seen, um, Hell or High Water. If that if that film won, that would be a very pleasant surprise. For example, and Arrival, being a science fiction film, if that won Best Picture, hey, that would only elevate it to make more people want to see it because that is a, a truly remarkable sci-fi film. Um, I'm glad to see that Fences is getting some love as well because I mean Denzel Washington, Viola Davis. I mean just a a stellar cast, you know, stellar performances. I mean, what more could be said about that film? Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, you know, uh, that's uh, definitely I would say this uh, decades or this generation's Saving Private Ryan. an, a remarkable film as well. I'm glad to see that Mel Gibson is getting some love from the Academy for his work in this film. Um, again, I would not mind if that film also took, took the top prize. And finally, you have uh, Manchester by the Sea, uh, a well-written, well-acted, and well-directed drama. Um, I would not mind to see that win the Oscar as well. So really no complaints uh, from this year's round of uh, Best Picture Picks. Uh, Moving on to Best Director, we have uh, five on deck. We have Denise Villeneuve for Arrival, Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge, Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea, and Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. Now, I would just be so ecstatic. And so thrilled to see barry jenkins win best director that being said i would have no problems or no objections to any of the other nominees being picked i'm glad to see that uh the academy is on the uh free mel gibson uh train uh, mel gibson uh earning uh best director uh nod for hacksaw ridge very well deserved uh denise villeneuve for arrival he's such a fantastic director I, in fact i, I recently saw his uh, twenty eleven uh, foreign language Oscar nominee called Incendies, which is a pretty powerful film, and um, that's a film that the less you know going in, the better, because it has a, it has a, 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 a story development which happens which, oof, just floored me. And you have Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea again, remarkable film. Uh, would I would love to see him win it if, if if necessary but I do predict that uh ultimately Damien Chazelle will win for La La Land uh for his for his rather excellent musical if he does win then that would make uh Chazelle the youngest filmmaker to win the best director Oscar because he's 32 and uh man that would be some Oscar history right there so so yeah uh five. five Five great filmmakers. Hey, any one of them, any one of them t- can take the top prize. But again, my favorite is Barry Jenkins. Oh, and speaking of Mel Gibson, apparently his two thousand and six film *Apocalypto*, uh, a film that I've been trying to add to my Blu-ray collection for some time, is apparently out of print. Um, I say that because I, it's not available in any stores, and the copies that are available online via Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, eBay, etc. It costs upwards of $38. And I've seen copies also sold for upwards of $60 to $70. And really, I find it really strange that his, the at least the Blu-ray edition of his film is out of print. The DVD uh, copy, on the other hand, is readily available, uh, albeit used copies. But so for those of you who happen to have Apocalypto in your Blu-ray collection, congratulations! You have a rare collector's item. But if you're willing to part with it uh, and and give it to yours truly, then please send a, send us an email at codexprimepodcast at gmail dot com, and uh, maybe we can work out a little business transaction. You know, some some kind of deal, because I would I would like to have that film in my Blu-ray collection. But if not, then. I'll just, I'll just have to keep on dealing. All right, let's move on to the best actor nominees uh, for this year. We have Casey Affleck for Manchester by the sea, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, Ryan Gosling in La La Land, Viggo Mortensen for captain fantastic and Denzel Washington in fences. Now I can't complain about any of these picks. And the only one I haven't seen is Viggo Mortensen uh, for Captain Fantastic. Now, that was a film that uh, played for about a week in, in Providence. It was either at the Cable Car Cinema or Avon, but it just came and went. So I hadn't had a chance to to go ahead and watch it. But I've heard, I've heard a lot of great things about that film, and especially with uh, Viggo Mortensen's performance. So at some point, I will watch that and perhaps review it on Victor's Corner or on the Codex Prime podcast uh, soon. But as for the other four nominations uh my personal favorite performance out of all of these and it was a pretty close race uh was denzel washington you know one of my all-time favorite actors in fences as uh troy maxson i mean man in fences he reprises his tony award-winning role and he just man he was just such a great complex character who was equal parts likable and thoroughly loathsome at the same time and I would love to see Denzel Washington win his second Best Actor Oscar and third overall Academy Award uh, for this film. Uh, But if not him, then I think uh, my second favorite and I think my predicted uh, pick will be Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea. Now, Casey Affleck, he's a tremendous actor and, you know, uh, he's 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 been killing it for the past. Ten years or so, in in some great roles like, uh, Gone Baby Gone, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, among others. Oh, and um, Ain't Them Body Saints with um, Rooney Mara and cinematography by Bradford Young. That's a very good and underrated film right there from 2013. Um, I think Casey Affleck is the uh, is the predicted predicted favorite among critics. So. So I think smart money says that he's going to take the Oscar. Um, I am pleased to see Andrew Garfield uh, nominated as, uh, in Hacksaw Ridge as Desmond Doss. It was a uh, pretty heartfelt, heartfelt turn. And, and Garfield, he has, such, he has such an immense amount of talent that I think it's a matter of time before he wins an Academy Award of his own. And as for Ryan Gosling, uh, his role as uh, Sebastian in La La Land, um, I will say that I think if uh, if the academy wants to have La La Land sweep the Oscars, they might just give it to him. And I know that kind of sounds like, you know, Ryan Gosling is perhaps undeserving. And I, and I and I don't mean to imply that. I mean, I thought his performance was was very good, equal every bit as good as uh, Emma Stone's, his co-star. And I wouldn't mind to see Gosling win it as well, but I do feel that there are stronger performances on this list. So uh, my favorite is Denzel. However, my predicted pick is Casey Affleck. Um, but again, I would not complain if anybody wins in this category. Uh, moving on to Best Actress, we have Isabel Huppert for Elle, Ruth Nega in Loving, Natalie Portman in Jackie, Emma Stone in La La Land, and Meryl Streep in Florence Foster Jenkins. Now, The Street Machine has reached her 20th Academy Award nomination, and I absolutely adored her in Florence Foster Jenkins. I mean, to say that Meryl Streep is turned into a good performance, it's it's, it's, it's just stating a fact, an established truth that really can't be disputed. But... um, i gotta say for meryl streep this year i think her nomination is the win so i don't think that she's going to take the statuette although i would certainly not mind but i do think that my that the predicted uh that that my prediction will be uh you know what come to think of it the best actress race is pretty hard for me because on the one hand i've heard a lot of Excellent praise for Isabel Hu performance in in the movie L, which unfortunately has not played in Rhode Island last year. So I'm gonna have to wait until the Blu-ray comes out. But uh, she did win uh, the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Drama for her performance. So I think she is the front runner uh, to win Best Actress as of now. Um, If I do have a favorite in this category, I'm gonna have to go with Ruth Nega for her subtle. And yet, moving performance in the film "Loving," in which she played Mildred Loving. And man, I, I, I would I would just I would just be so pleased and so ecstatic to see her win the Academy Award for Best Actress. Um, Natalie Portman, I have not seen Jackie, but I've heard a lot of uh, positive buzz uh, for that for her role as well. Um, Emma Stone. Emma Stone was very, very good in La La Land. And could she win it? I think she has a very good chance. Um, Again, it's very hard to predict who might win for sure. But um, right now, I'm going to have to go with my gut and say that Isabelle Huppert will take the Academy Award. If not her, then Emma Stone will will be the second pick. But my personal favorite, again, is Ruth Nega. But you know what? It's anybody's. It's anybody's Oscar for this category. So we're just gonna have to wait and see. On to Best Supporting Actor. Hmm, we've got a very good roundup here of of performances. We have Mahershala Ali in Moonlight, Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water, Lucas Hedges in Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel in Lion, and Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals. Oof, man, this is a it's a pretty tough one right here as well. Um I'm going to say that since Mahershala Ali has been has been racking up several uh wins in in many awards circles, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to I'm going to make I'm going to say that Mahershala Ali is going to win best supporting actor. I think he's my prediction to win in this category, and it would be a well-deserved one because he definitely makes the most of his uh, rather short yet enormously significant appearance in the film Moonlight. um if not him then i can definitely see jeff bridges winning uh in in, for his role in hell or high water uh he would jeff bridges he just relished his role he just played that role uh with aplomb and he was a big reason why that film was just so engaging um and I, and I do want to say that I, I'm, I am absolutely happy to see Hell or High Water get a lot of love and recognition from the Academy because that's a film that I highly recommend to anybody looking for a great crime drama and, and just, it's just a well-written and well-acted story. Uh, Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea. I thought he was quite good, quite good, but I don't think he's going to win the Oscar. I have not seen, again, I have not seen Lion, but I am happy to see Dev Patel uh, be recognized because he is a good actor as well. Uh, And now we have Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals. Now, Michael Shannon is one of my favorite actors. Uh, He he brings a certain intensity and, and just a certain amount of power to each of his roles, be it lead or supporting. And his, his his character in in Tom Ford's uh, second feature is just just enormously magnetic and with each intense glare, like he just commands the screen. So you know what I'm gonna say this. I will say Michael Shannon is my favorite in this category. I want him to win uh, best supporting actor. If not him, then I don't mind if anybody else takes it. Um, whether it's Mahershala Ali, Bridges, Hedges, or Patel. Again, it's anybody's race, but my favorite is Michael Shannon. He should definitely take it because to say Academy Award winner Michael Shannon, oh, that, just, that, that just makes me feel good right there. And we're moving on to the Best Supporting Actress category. We have Viola Davis in Fences, Naomi Harris in Moonlight, Nicole Kidman in Lion, Octavia Spencer in Hidden Figures, and Michelle Williams in Manchester by the Sea. My favorite to win, and my prediction is Viola Davis, hands down. Why? Because, man, if you saw her, her, her performance in Fences, and I, and I mentioned this in my Top 20 uh, Films of the Year episode on Victor's Corner, her performance just moved me to tears. And my, my goodness... She deserves to win. In fact, Viola Davis just made Oscar history by being the, I believe it's the, the the first black actress to win, to earn three Oscar nominations in acting. So, and it's very well deserved. And I would just, nothing would please me more than, than to see Viola Davis win Best Supporting Actress. Although, as I have said in my review of Fences, her performance is clearly a leading performance, not a supporting one, but... The Academy uh, does this from time to time time where they'll take a lead performance and move it to a supporting category or vice versa in order to increase that nominee's chances of winning the Oscar. So, in that wise, I think Davis is going to take it and she is my favorite. If not her, then I would also love to see Naomi Harris win for her her, uh, powerful performance in Moonlight. And the original... Uh, screenplay nominees are as follows. We have Hell or High Water, written by Taylor Sheridan, La La Land, written by Damien Chazelle, The Lobster, written by Yorgos Lanthimos and Ephtimus Philippou, Manchester by the Sea, written by Kenneth Lonergan, and 20th Century Women, written by Mike Mills. Now, of all of these nominees, I have not seen 20th Century Women. That's because it's actually opening in theaters in Rhode Island this coming weekend. And I love Annette Bening, and I love the cast, so I might see it in theaters this weekend. Uh, as for the other uh, four nominees, um, I'm, my favorite in, in this category is Manchester by the Sea. I, I have a... I don't... I feel that either Kenneth Lonergan or Damien Chazelle will ultimately win this Oscar, but I would also be pleased to see Taylor Sheridan win for Hell or High Water uh, because, uh, again, remarkable crime drama, and it's, a great, it's a great to see that underrated film get some recognition. But I do think that uh, perhaps either Damien Chazelle or Lonergan will win the original screenplay Oscar. Now as for the Lobster I have seen that, that that's a film that I have seen uh last summer and the Lobster is a film in whose in which I just did not care for that was a film that I wanted to like I wanted to even appreciate and it's a film that just left me cold I actually disliked the film quite a bit and for those who don't know, The Lobster is a film that stars Colin Farrell, and it's a film where uh, it, Colin Farrell, he goes to this hotel where he, he and a bunch of other people are, are given 30 days to find a mate, and if, they, and if they're unable to find a mate, then they have to transform into an animal of their own choosing, and Colin Farrell chooses to transform into a lobster if he can't find uh, true love, quote-unquote, in this hotel. And the whole film came off as I mean, the, the film had a very strong premise. And I will say that the, that the, that the first half of the film where uh, Colin Farrell is in the hotel, I thought was rather was it was somewhat engaging. But the moment that he leaves the hotel and when the film enters its second half where he meets this resistance group, which has their own dogmatic rules just as much as the uh, hotel in and the, and the broader society the film just fell apart for me it became thoroughly unengaging i thought the i thought the characters were way too deadpan i knew that was the uh, the director's intent but i thought the characters were deadpans at the point of being very just 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 very aloof and and it just left me very indifferent to the to their situation and i thought that the, that was a film that did not live up to its very intriguing premise and Unfortunately, I thought it was a misfire. Now, I I know that Yorgos Lanthimos also directed some other critically acclaimed films. There was a film that I was very curious to see called Dogtooth, but I am kind of hesitant to seeing that of seeing that because I heard from what I understand, Dogtooth has a, has that same or similar deadpan, almost unengaging uh, style to it. And and you know, I mean if you, if you like The Lobster and if, and, if, and if it works for you, great. I would not argue with you, but it just didn't work for me. So I would be rather disappointed if that film won uh, the, the original screenplay Oscar. Uh, but uh, let's move on to the adapted screenplay category, where we do have five more nominees on deck. We have uh, Arrival, written by Eric Heisserer, uh, based on the story, Story of Your Life, by Ted Chang. Uh, we have Fences, written by August Wilson, who also wrote the play. We also have Hidden Figures, a uh, screenplay written by Alison Schroeder and Theodore Melf- Melfi, uh, based on the book by Margot Lee Shetterly. L- we also have Lion, screenplay written by Luke Davies, based on the book A Long Way Home by Saru Brierly and Larry Boutros. And finally, we have Moonlight, written by Barry Jenkins and Terrell Alvin McCraney, based on the unproduced play in Moonlight's Black Boys Look Blue. I'm going I'm to say that Moonlight is going to win this category, Adapted Screenplay, although it's very interesting because um, Moonlight also won original screenplay categories in uh, certain critics uh, award circles. And the reason why it's one original screenplay is because even though it, it is technically based on a play, that play has not been published or produced, so it is an original work in that sense. But again, I think this is a case where moving Moonlight to the adapted screenplay category will increase its chances of winning an Oscar, and if that's the case, then I'm all for it. Moving onwards to the Best Animated Feature Film category, we have Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, My Life as a Zucchini, The Red Turtle, and my personal favorite, Zootopia. Now, this category, I have not seen a Zucchini or a Red Turtle, so scratch those off. So it's a toss up between Kubo, Moana, and Zootopia. Now I have not seen Moana, I've heard a lot of uh, wonderful praise for it, especially for its music. And Zootopia, excellent screenplay. And Kubo and the Two Strings, just a breathtaking piece of stop-motion animation. Um, Zootopia is my favorite uh, animated feature of uh, of 2016, and it's my prediction, my predicted uh, pick to win in this category. If not Zootopia, I would be just as pleased if Kubo and the two strings won because that was an underrated film from last year as well. And if Moana wins, eh, I won't complain. But, uh, man, if if you haven't seen uh, either Zootopia or or Kubo and the two strings, you're definitely missing out. So you definitely want to make those two films your priority, especially if you are a fan of high quality, well-written animation. Up next is the best foreign language film category. Uh, I have not seen any of these five nominees because unfortunately they were not available in theaters in Rhode Island. So I'm going to have to wait until I can get my hands on the blu rays this year and the following nominees in the best foreign language film category are land of mine from Denmark, a man called Ove from Sweden, the salesman from Iran, Tana from Australia and Tony Erdman from Germany. Now, these films, I've heard a lot of high praise for Tony Erdman, and I think that's the that's the favorite to win in, in this category. But I would also love to see Oscar As- Farhadi's The Salesman win, only because I absolutely love Oscar Farha- Farhadi's films. In fact, uh, my favorite film of his is from 2011 called A Separation, and if you haven't seen that film, I give my I give that film my highest, highest recommendation because A Separation is just an outstanding motion picture, great story, and it's a it's a film that uh, I would recommend to just about anybody. So if you can get if you can get your hands on the, on A Separation, which actually won the 2011 foreign language film Oscar well deserved deservedly so please go see it um i also like uh farhadi's uh two other films that i've seen from his uh one called the past and another one called about ellie and i think um i believe both films are available for streaming uh, last time i checked but any any of those features are worth seeing but i am very much looking forward to watching the salesman because if because i believe that's just going to be Every bit as remarkable as his previous films, so uh, so that's something that that's on my to-watch list. Um, let's see. I have I haven't heard of Tana or Land of Mine, but again, if those uh, happen to come out this year, I'll I'll give them a I'll check those out. And a man called Oov, a Swedish film that actually did play at the Avon Cinema uh, sometime in November, but I just didn't have enough motivation to go check it out but again i will see that this year now on to the best documentary feature films we've got some interesting nominees here we have fire at sea i am not your negro life animated oj made in america and 13th now i haven't seen the uh four of these nominees i have seen 13th which is an Excellent and just just uh just also at times heartbreaking and also infuriating uh, documentary. It's uh, Ava duvernay's uh, comprehensive examination of racism and our criminal justice system, how slavery how elements of slavery have have transformed into the basis of what is our modern day criminal justice system and how it unfairly disproportionately targets uh african-american men and uh, people of color and I, I i really want to see 13th win best documentary feature because that is one of the more uh most impactful uh nonfiction features i have seen last year um i ha- but i am surprised that um uh, the documentary wiener hasn't been nominated because that was a pretty interesting and almost cringeworthy documentary i don't and i I don't mean that to say that the documentary itself was cringeworthy in terms of the quality no i mean uh weiner which is a uh it it was a it was a cringeworthy uh and at times really awkward examination of uh uh, disgraced new york uh congressman uh, anthony weiner and the whole scandals that, that that he was uh mired in and in that documentary when you see his uh his wife, uh, Huma Abedin, just, just cut daggers, just cut katana blades into him with her eyes alone. Oof, man, that, that, that is a situation where it's just so ugly, ugly to see. And if you're, and if you, if you're curious about watching a, uh, a documentary about just one man's, um how one man can be his own worst enemy then wiener is a film you should definitely check out um uh, prepare your muscles because you're going to be cringing pretty hard (laughs) but uh again um sad to see sad to see that that film wasn't nominated but i am interested in seeing oj made in america now that's actually a seven hour miniseries which is available uh for streaming on hulu and that's a film and that's a, a documentary series that I do wanna get into at some point soon. Um either that and also the FX miniseries, uh I think OJ, um I forget the exact title, but it stars Cuba Gooding Jr. I heard he was, I heard he was excellent in that as well. But O.J. Made in America is, is a documentary series that I will make time for at some point. But again, my favorite to win in this category is 13th. I really want Ava DuVernay to, to win that Oscar that she so very much deserves. I'm gonna skip ahead to uh, two more categories. Uh, my, one of my favorite categories in the Academy Awards is Cinematography. I absolutely love a gorgeous looking fe- feature film. And we do have five uh, worthy uh, nominees here. We have Arrival by Bradford Young, La La Land by Linus Sandgren, Lion by Greg Fraser, Moonlight by James Laxton, and Martin Scorsese's Silence by Rodrigo Prieto. Now, out of all of these i think la la land might take the cinematography award and there there is some you know virtuoso camera work in this a lot of broad sweeping long takes especially the opening number with the uh, the dance number on the la freeway that alone deserves deserves an oscar <laughs> but but uh I, th- I think la la land is going to take it i am very pleased however to see bradford young who's an who's just a gifted cinematographer finally get an Oscar nomination for Arrival, which gives it a very distinct, austere look. Uh, James Laxton, who did some very, some, some impressive uh, camera work in Medicine for Melancholy back in 2009, very glad to see his work recognized in Moonlight, um, which was, uh, v- had a very, very smooth and uh, just a very warm look uh, to its uh, Liberty City, Miami setting. So I think he deserves some recognition for for his work, and I, I would not mind to see him win the Oscar. Um, Rodrigo Prieto's work in Silence is also praiseworthy, and if if his and if his work wins, then again I would have no complaints. So again, all these nominees, apart from Line, which I haven't seen, um, any 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 one of these can win the Oscar. So I wouldn't mind to see any one of these gifted uh, uh, cinematographers take the Academy Award for Best Cinematography. And finally, we have the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, and the nominees are Deepwater Horizon, Doctor Strange, The Jungle Book, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Now, out of all these nominees, I have not seen Deepwater Horizon, but I have seen The Jungle Book, and that is an incredible piece of CG animation. Just from the photorealistic uh, jungle environments to the fully realized and amazing looking animals and creatures that inhabit uh, this environment, I really think that uh, The Jungle Book is, is the most deserving of the Best Visual Effects Oscar. However, I do have to give an uh, equal amount of praise to Kubo and the Two Strings, which is just uh, just an equally amazing piece of stop-motion animation. I mean, some of the, just some of the craft work and the creativity that you see in this film is just jaw-dropping. And... For any animation fans or purists or even professional animators out there, I mean, this is a film that you can definitely study and draw plenty of inspiration from. So if Kubo and the Two Strings won as well, I would be, man, I I, I would be very happy with that outcome. Um I am happy to see uh Doctor Strange recognized in this category as well for some of its more unique uh visual effects uh, scenes in particular the climactic uh the climactic uh, action scene in, involving the main villain of the film uh one of the main villains in the film Dormammu where where uh Doctor Strange and and company they're they're confronting Dormammu's forces in Hong Kong and as they're as they're fighting you see their entire you see time just going in reverse all around them as they're fighting and it it was just a really inspired uh, set piece Uh, one of the more inspired set pieces that that I've seen from the Marvel Cinematic Universe so good to see Doctor Strange being recognized on that front and hmm we arrive at Rogue One a Star Wars story. Now, that sounded like I have a lot to say and none of it good. Now, I want to preface this up front with Rogue One. Uh, the visual effects were were quite impressive. Most impressive, I would say. Um, as a film, just to just a uh, uh, just to, as a brief aside, did I I did see Rogue One. Now, did I enjoy the film? Yes. Did I find it entertaining? Yes. Do I think it's an essential Star Wars film? No, I don't. Do I think it's better than The Force Awakens? Hell's no. Are you kidding me? But anyway, let, let's let's focus on the visual effects aspect of uh, this film. Now, there were some impressive uh, visual uh, uh, visual effects in the in, in the film. I mean, as 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 is typical of the Star Wars films, although actually let me walk that back because when you look at the prequel trilogy and the Star Wars original trilogy special editions, those special effects have aged quite terribly. So uh, let's uh, let's just put that out there. But for Rogue One, um, there was one visual effects element that I found very much troubling. And I thought and I thought it was ethically, unsound to say the least and that was the computer-generated image of Grand Moff Tarkin and essentially a computer-generated resurrection of the late great actor Peter Cushing who passed away in 1994 and in Rogue One his likeness is brought back to life uh, via CG imagery and when I saw that I was just it left a bad taste in my mouth because, okay, I I understand that Lucasfilm and Disney did get approval from the estate of Peter Cushing. They, uh, they gave him permission to use his likeness for the film. And I do understand that Rogue One, since it does take place directly before A New Hope, that you do need Grand Moff Tarkin in the narrative since he is the uh, chief uh, figure. Uh, chief figurehead of the Death Star. Still, if you're going to use Grand Moff Tarkin, I think using, I think resurrecting his likeness, especially that the fact that he is a deceased actor, I thought that really, on on some level, was insensitive, at best. And the actor that the actor that 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 they did cast in that role to reprise Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, this British actor, Guy Henry, who does share several physical similarities with the late Peter Cushing. They could have just cast him and applied some clever makeup onto him without any digital enhancements. And they should have just left it at that instead of of, uh, essentially resurrecting Peter Cushing from the dead and slapping his face on top of Guy Henry's thereby replacing his entire performance and uh and and, um and whatever he brought to the character so i really hope that uh rogue one does not start a rather insidious trend where uh late actors from decades past can be resurrected on screen uh I I th- I think that's very dangerous and very ethically dubious and quite frankly repulsive grounds to enter uh, moving forward for the film industry. If you're going to cast an actor uh, who's going to reprise a well-known character who was portrayed by a deceased actor, then just recast that actor. And as a viewer, it's going to be clear to us that okay, this is just another interpretation. And try to make that actor look as much like the original. A uh, performer as possible, if that if there's a need for that, but otherwise just leave the actor alone and let let him or her uh, incorporate their own likeness and own interpretations of the role. And and also too another thing that that really made me roll my eyes about Rogue One was the immense amounts of fan service uh, uh, in, in the film. I mean, Rogue One is very much. Uh, inside baseball because if you're coming into Rogue One as a as someone who's brand new to the Star Wars Mythos and if Rogue, Rogue One was your first Star Wars film ever, then you would be completely lost. This is a film made made for Star Wars fans only and um, for me, one of the visual effects that made me roll my eyes was the incorporation of deleted of unused footage. From the pilots from A New Hope, they actually digitally composited unused footage of them in the X-wing cockpits and just slapped them in front of the uh, uh, backgrounds for Rogue One. And I thought that was uh, largely unnecessary. I didn't think that you really needed to see uh, the old uh, actors from from 1977 uh, digitally digitally slapped onto. Uh, the glossy 2016 uh, uh, film cut of Rogue One you could have just you could have just shot any any new actor playing rogue playing a Rebel Alliance pilots and that would that would have been fine so I thought that that bit of fan service of using the old footage of the pilots into this new film was was a rather much and trying way too hard to appease uh, Star Wars fans Um. I could say a lot more about Rogue One, but again, uh, in terms of the visual effects, I just have a, I just have quite a few problems with it. So, on that wise, I really hope that Rogue One does not win uh, best visual effects. If it does, then I believe that that would only encourage studios to resurrected dead as it were via cg and i believe that we do not need to go down that rather disgusting road And that about wraps it up for this year's 89th Annual Academy Award nominations. If you want the complete list, you can check those out online. And you can please email the show at codexprimepodcast at gmail.com and send us your favorite picks to win at this year's Oscars, as well as perhaps snubs of films or actors that you wanted to see recognized by the Oscars this year but just weren't. Now, I did say at the top of the program that I wanted to provide a quick review of M. Night Shyamalan's latest feature, Split. And I want to keep this quick and short because to get into a more in-depth review, I would have to delve into spoiler territory. And I don't want to do that for this movie. Uh, The less you know going into it, the better. Um, I will say that Split, which is the latest thriller by... Written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan is a much stronger return to form than his 2015 feature, The Visit, which is a film that I thought was just okay, but I did enjoy nonetheless. And Split stars James McAvoy as this man who suffers from a split personality disorder, where he has 23 different personalities all jockeying for position and power inside his head. And he kidnaps three girls... Uh, one of which played by Anya Taylor Joy, who starred in my favorite horror film of last year, *The Witch*. And when uh, this, when James McAvoy, this man uh, named Kevin, kidnaps these these three girls, and uh, and keeps them trapped and locked up inside his home, uh, one of the girls played by Anya Taylor Joy has a rather uh, calm, almost too calm and eerie uh, reaction to the whole dangerous and scary situation. And, and as the film progresses, you kind of see how their dynamic unfolds. And also you do see some glimpses into her past, which, uh, which may provide some answers as to why, as to why she is the way she is. And I will say that, uh, James McAvoy, he definitely, uh, chews up the scenery in in, in, a, in a rather enjoyable way. This is this is an actor's treat uh, for him He plays multiple characters uh, Inhabiting one body uh, He plays this uh, for one of his personalities is uh, the kidnapper uh, this guy named Dennis who is this very mercurial uh, neat freak and control freak uh, And another per, one of his personalities is this uh, guy named Barry who is this very friendly and outgoing uh, fashion designer and another one of his personalities is uh, Hedwig, who happens to be a nine-year-old boy trapped inside a thirty-something-year-old man's body, and he's more sus- more susceptible to the three girls' uh, uh, pleas for help. But he's but he's also just as dangerous as uh, Kevin's other personas. Now, uh, this is a film that is not a typical horror film it's more in the suspense thriller category than a straight horror film and it's also more of a character study uh, uh, when you focus on James McAvoy's character as well as Anya Taylor-Joy's uh, role as well and uh, there's also a psychologist uh, named Karen Fletcher played by Betty Buckley who takes a rather fascinating interest and investment into Kevin's plight and her role in the film is just as interesting and and uh and intriguing as well and overall i can honestly say that split is a very good motion picture this is a genuinely good m night shyamalan film there's no backhanded praise to be thrown here and for those who have written off m night shyamalan in the past decade myself included for his string of terribleness especially uh the last airbender argh, Please, don't don't let the stink of his uh, previous films deter you from watching Split. I will say that Split is very good. It's uh, very much uh, worth your time. And I hope that this film is the beginning of a string of great films from Shyamalan. And I really hope that we are in for a genuinely awesome treat from this filmmaker. And I will say that the ending of Split, which I will not get into any details, it gives me a lot of hope and it makes me very, very excited as to what may come next. And that's pretty much it for this week's episode of Victor's Corner. Once again, thank you for tuning in and listening. Uh, Please email the show at codexprimepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, as well as select episodes on YouTube. And you can also catch us all over social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Once again, thank you for listening be well, be awesome, be great, and I will see you when I see you. Take care guys.